The Feminist Press is a partner of Fierce Women Writing. Founded in 1970 and celebrating their 50th anniversary, The Feminist Press seeks to create a world where everyone recognizes themselves in a book. A nonprofit and independent publisher, they support storytelling that ignites movements and inspires social transformation. The Feminist Press lifts up insurgent and marginalized voices from around the world to build a more just future. Learn more about their books at feministpress.org. Welcome to Fierce Women Writing, a podcast where female voices are elevated, creativity is ignited, and writers are inspired. I believe that stories can enlighten, heal, and entertain the reader and the writer. First, the writer has to quiet their doubts long enough to get the words on the page. I'm here to help you put your doubts away and focus on your creativity. Every day I talk to writers and would-be writers who aren't writing. They're not writing because they don't think they're good enough, because they've been rejected, don't have time, or don't know where to start. That's why I created this show, so that you can hear from other writers who want to inspire you to share the stories that only you can tell. I'm Sarah Gallagher. Come write with me. Hey there, Fierce Writers. Today's guest is Rebecca Tossig. Rebecca Tossig is a Kansas City writer and teacher with her doctorate in creative nonfiction and disability studies. She runs the Instagram platform at sitting underscore pretty, where she crafts mini memoirs to contribute nuance to the collective narratives being told about disability. Released by Harper One in August 2020, her memoir and essays, Sitting Pretty, The View from My Ordinary Resilient Disabled Body, provides a nuanced portrait of a body that looks and moves differently than most. Here's Rebecca Tasig reading an excerpt from her book, Sitting Pretty. So this is a passage from the book, as Sarah introduced Sitting Pretty, and I'm going to read a scene that takes place at sort of a posh party that I find myself at. Um, with some acquaintances, some friends. And I find myself kind of in the middle of this conversation. And so I'm eavesdropping at first and then sort of making sense of that conversation. So I'll just dive in right into the middle of that. God, I wish I would have told him to fuck off, Ryan says, shaking his head, his arm draped over his wife Beth's shoulder. It wouldn't have made anything better, Beth says. I mean, you have to imagine the level of creep in a person who thinks it's okay to yell at a woman across a parking lot just because she's wearing yoga pants. And honestly, it happens all the time. I'm used to it. She's brushing it off like she's bolstered by calluses she's built from a lifetime of being catcalled by male strangers. The other women in the room emphatically roll their eyes with her, and the men listen. I nod vigorously. I've just started hollering back, Grace says, her eyes sparking. The other day, this guy started following me around the grocery store, muttering nasty things to me, and I was like, no, you say that so everyone can hear you, so your girlfriend in aisle five can hear you. Say that again loud and proud. She reenacts the scene, and the other women are laughing knowingly in solidarity. It sounds cathartic. The other two women in the circle share cat-calling stories of their own. And each narrative is met with a supportive cloud of understanding murmurings. I throw in phrases like, wow, and good for you, that's some bullshit. One of the boyfriends asks, if there was one thing you really wish men understood about this, what would it be? Grace is quick to answer. The thing men don't understand is, this happens all the time. The other women nod vigorously. 
Every single woman I know could tell you countless stories just like these. Seriously, ask any woman. Hmm, I affirm, the only woman in the circle who hasn't added a story to the collection. And just like that, I'm eight-year-old Rebecca at the sleepover. The distance between them and me isn't intentional, and it isn't just a result of staircases and narrow doorways to inaccessible bathrooms. It's so much more complicated than overt hostility or tangible practicality. I know what it's like to be yelled at across a parking lot, but my stories don't seem to match with these catcalling anecdotes. If I were to tell my version of a man hollering at me, frantically yelling, don't fall across a parking lot, the group would droop or scoff or laugh at the absurdity. They might go quiet or ask questions or even try to understand, but the circle of solidarity would disappear because this is a different conversation. It doesn't seem to fit here. And I don't want to disrupt this cathartic healing moment they seem to be having. My partner Micah and I don't stay long at the party. Eventually I have to pee and I'm tired. As we drive home from the pretty loft, I swat away a painful, familiar question. Do I belong? I mean, in the fullest sense, do I fit in the circle of woman? What a gorgeous excerpt from Sitting Pretty by Rebecca Tosig. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Rebecca, what are the ideal conditions for you to write Well, I will have to say that that is changing rapidly. Um, Over the course of my life, I was kind of the the writer that would kind of put everything off and then wait for a long weekend and just like sink into this writing space um, with all the time to sort of like ease into it and play around. Uh, Now that I I have this new baby around, it doesn't work that way as much anymore. And so I'm trying to learn a new rhythm of maybe catching small corners here and there and writing in smaller bursts. Um, I'm not quite sure what that rhythm is going to be yet, but I'm, I'm adjusting. I'm trying to find a new one. Why do you write? I absolutely need to write in order to understand what I'm thinking or feeling. Uh, there are a lot of times when I just feel a whole mess of, of tangled thoughts and emotions, and I often cannot untangle them until I have time to sort them out on the page and kind of go back and reassess and move things around and pick new words. Um, I write so that I can understand the world around me and myself. What are your best writing tips? Well, for me, I think a lot of it has to do with giving yourself space to make a bit of a mess. I think um, a lot of times for me, I won't exactly... I'll like freeze as as I'm getting started because I feel like I I need to have pristine, perfectly shaped sentences that are in final draft mode. And so for me, it's important to go to a writing space with a lot of flexibility and a lot of of willingness to make it a little bit messy and um, and not be intimidated by that. So writing tips would be to like be easy on yourself and and never tell yourself that the sentence that you write has to be the final version of it. What are your suggestions for someone trying to overcome a block? This is very, okay, tied to to the best writing tips, I think. Um, But for me, I like to picture writing as like the starting writing or kind of getting over that first hurdle as like approaching a giant hunk of clay. Um, And I think 
Um, again, what trips me up is when I think that I have to get the most refined details done immediately. But really, when you approach a big giant piece of clay that you're going to sculpt into something, that first part is like pulling off big bits and and kind of shaping things into lumpy corners. And the beginning part is like the the kind of rough and tumble. And so letting yourself kind of picture that, I don't know, that works for me. And then letting myself ease up on that refinement until much later down the road lets me kind of approach it with a little bit more open-handedness, I think. I love that clay analogy. Oh, it, it helps me. It really does. What about editing and revising tips? So for me, um, I absolutely have to get out of my head. So if I'm going to writing to understand what I think, I do my best to put that on the page. And then I have to have to have some distance. And so for me, a couple of things that, have, that always work, or I wouldn't say always work, that I always try at least, is collaborating with someone else. So like either having somebody read that draft so that we, I can get some other angle or perspective I haven't thought of. Um, or trying to pull out the, the trickiest, slipperiest, stickiest part and, and talk to someone about that. But another thing that has helped me in the process is actually printing out the draft, which I kind of miss having it in my hands anyways, printing out the draft and then cutting it up into pieces a little bit. And sometimes I will even like circle um, certain themes in different colors and then cut those up and lay them all out on the floor. And that allows me to kind of choose the movements of the piece a little bit more because I can identify them in a, in a way that my brain isn't used to identifying them when I'm just staring at my screen. Rebecca, I do that too. Do you really? I cut things, <laughs> I cut things up into pieces and put it all over the floor. You mean that <laughs> tactile part of it. Like there's something about holding <laughs> it and moving it that's like, oh, now I see it. Now I get the rhythm. I, I love that. I want to see pictures of that, Sarah. Feels like a like the the lady who's kind of like shut up in her house too long um, doing that sometimes, but um, it helps. I'll send you a picture. I'll post it on our Instagram too. <laughs> we should all. Yes, I love it. Rebecca, talk to us about your submission to publication ratio. So this is a really good question. And Honestly, I I had a hard time trying to parse out what that would be. Um, I mean, I've submitted some and and gotten both rejections and acceptances, but really, I think I've spent the most time just sort of being in an online community and trying to create connections in that little corner of the internet. So I, I I've submitted a few highs and lows of that process, but really, I I think most of it has been sort of in this side arena of online and just interacting with people on Instagram and finding readers that interact with my work in in a personal intimate way there. How did you get connected with Harper One? Well, um through my lit agent. So, uh I um found Laura Lee Mattingly from Present Perfect Lit Agency and she kind of helped me forge the whole publishing world. I really don't know how I would have navigated that without her. She's been absolutely invaluable in the in the birth of this book. But she kind of set up connections with different publishers. And um, when I spoke with Harper One, I've said this a lot, and I know it's really cheesy, but it feels true, which is when I first talked to them on the phone, and they looked at my book proposal, and we were talking about plans and 
plans for the project, it really felt like there were sparkles in the room, like something magical was happening. They saw what the book was about and why it was important and what it, what I wanted it to be and were totally down for helping me make it um, and bring it into the world. So, um, so yes, I... Um, I found them, though, um, to begin with, because my agent kind of made that happen. Who are some other women writers or creators we should be aware of right now? So I'm currently reading Kia Brown's The Pretty One, um, which is a memoir written by a Black disabled woman, Kia Brown. And I also love that both of our memoirs have the word pretty in them, and they're both coming from disabled writers, which is just an interesting thing to think and unpack together. And Kia and I have kind of started talking about, like, how did that happen? Um, But Kia Brown um, is, uh, she's like this stunning combination of um, being enthralled with the world of pop culture, but engaging it through this really sharp, insightful lens. And she kind of coexists in like this intellectual space, but this really fun pop culture space and in a way that's really inviting, but stimulating and challenging. So I would definitely recommend Pretty The Pretty One um, by Kia Brown. Do I have time to talk about a few other people? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, Alice Wong just came out with a really exciting collection. Um, she is ed- she's the editor of this collection um, called Disability Visibility, which is all first person narratives um, from disabled writers. And my really good friend, Erin Clark, actually, um, I have not read her book yet, but I have no question that it's going to be amazing. Erin is someone that I actually found on that special internet space on Instagram, but she's a a disabled writer and her memoir comes out September 1st. And oh my gosh, I'm blanking on what it's called. Um, If you really love me, you, you will push me down the mountain or something like that. Um, It's uh, I'm so excited about it, but it comes out September 1st. So be on the lookout for Aaron Clark's memoir. And where can listeners find you online? So I hang out for the most part. I am on um, Instagram. That's kind of the space I like to occupy. And you can find me at sitting underscore pretty. And uh, I also have a website where, you know, a lot of it's kind of a hub for my work, um, RebeccaTosig.com, where you can also find me. Thank you for sharing your writing and wisdom with us today, Rebecca. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I really love what you're doing and I'm honored to be a part of the space in any way. Now it's time for our writing prompt. I suggest setting a timer for six or eight minutes, putting Rebecca's prompt at the top of your page and free writing whatever comes to mind. Remember, the important part is keeping your pen moving. You can always edit later. Right now, we just want to write something new and see what happens. Think of one moment, like one crystal clear moment when you were made very aware of your sense of being inside of or outside of this designated circle of quote unquote women. Oh my goddess. I was so excited to talk to Rebecca Tosig this week. For one, because her writing is fantastic, but also because one of my best friends, one of my best writing friends, has a disability that affects her mobility too. I'm so grateful that Rebecca has written this memoir and that we can share it. If you haven't checked out Rebecca's Instagram feed, you should. Her mini essays are a poignant window into her life, and I love the way she shares her heart and her experiences with us. Rebecca Tosic's book, Sitting Pretty, was released on Tuesday. 
and I've put a link in the show notes for you to buy her book and to follow her on Instagram. When I started working on this show at this time last year, I only knew that I was listening to the little voice inside me that was called to amplify the work and stories of diverse women writers. I had no idea how much the show or this community would grow, how much these interviews would teach me about myself and my own writing practice, or how meaningful each interaction with each of you would become. Thank you for being on this journey with me as we explore writing together. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sarah Gallagher, and this is Fierce Women Writing. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Until then, keep writing. Become a supporting member of the podcast with a monthly contribution at FierceWomenWriting.com. Get more writing prompts and engage with other writers on our Instagram page at Fierce Women Writing. Remember, women is spelled with an X. You can also help us reach more writers by sharing this episode with a friend and subscribing, downloading, and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening.